Welcome to the Soulless Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Our passion as a church community is to see Jesus at the center of all things. For more sermon content and information, check out soullesschurch.com. So you've been in a series titled By Faith, and uh, you're walking through Hebrews 11, really looking at the great men and women of faith. And um, faith is summarized in Hebrews 11.1 1, like this. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then basically throughout Hebrews 11, it sort of uh, illustrates that definition of faith. Um, Because honestly, I don't know, this is just the way my brain works. I read a verse like that, and that, that sounds cool, but I'm like, those are a lot of bizarre words that I don't use a lot. Like the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. You're like, got it. Um, and, but basically, the rest of the, the chapter explains that definition of faith. Um, and what it shows is throughout this chapter, these men and women are commended for their faith for things that they haven't seen, and yet they believed as if they had. Um, it's interesting. You walk through Hebrews 11. And there are few examples of people for what they do. Like it, it talks about towards the end, like by faith, some of them clothe, or closed the mouths of lions um, or, you know, had great victory in battle. But most of the things that are explained are just simply things that they believed when they hadn't seen them yet. Um, whether it was Abraham and Sarah with faith for their son of promise when they were old and it was kind of beyond reality. Um, or Noah to build an ark for a flood before there was ever rain, which is crazy to think about. Um, or Isaac blessing his kids uh, concerning things to come prior to have really much to bless them with. So you, you, you see these things of them to have great faith um, to see something when they weren't yet experiencing it. And faith is trusting God beyond what you're presently seeing or experiencing. It is to trust God both in your present and in your future. Um, But sometimes that's difficult. In fact, I would say most of the time that's difficult, right? It's, It's a lot easier to view God based on your present circumstances. It's a lot more difficult to view God based upon his promises um, versus what you're experiencing. And sort of this is the other side of faith. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning, the other side of faith, which is specifically doubt. It's doubt. I sort of had a realization um, recently. Please don't judge me. We're in church. But I am not a person of great faith. Um, I tend to be a person of great doubt. I'm kind of like, to be honest, um, like a glass half empty kind of person. I'm like, it probably won't. Honestly, I'm surprised. I've been youth pastoring for 10 years. Um, We just celebrated 10 years in September. And um, I am surprised every week when students show up. (laughs) I'm not not even lying. I'm like, well, it was like literally two or three weeks ago. It was not even 7 o'clock. We start at 7. And there was, you know, my expectation or whatever. And I'm like, well, it was over. It was a good run. We're done now. 
nobody's here. And then it ends up being full. It's a great night, whatever. I, one time not too long ago, I, or actually this was a while ago, but um, I was meeting with a friend up in Melbourne, which is like four, an hour, 45 minutes away from my house. And uh, it was a pastor. We were talking. We were hanging out. And I went home, and I realized I'd left my backpack uh, with my, like, my iPad and my computer and stuff, which I needed for work, there. And literally, I got home, and this is how my brain works. I, like, descended into, like, serious doubt. I was like, God, I went up there to have a meeting about you, about ministry. I need my computer for work. Why couldn't you help me remember my backpack? And I was so bent out of shape that I was going to have to drive. I was like, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Like, that is where my brain goes. I just am that type of person that, that descends very quickly into doubt. And sometimes it, it's, it's hard to be people of faith um, when we're experiencing or seeing or having things that cause us to have doubt. And so I relate to guys in the Bible that say, like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I'm so thankful that Jesus said that you can have faith the size of a mustard seed and still do great things. Because it's not about the size, necessarily, of your faith, but the placement of your faith. Where is your faith held? And so for many of us, this is our story. We live with both faith and doubt. We believe God, and yet at the same time, we walk through days of doubt or, or questioning or feeling, I, I just don't fully get it. And there are things in faith that seem like they don't go together or, have to, or, or they sort of cancel each other out, and really they don't. In the Bible, we see that fear and faith actually kind of go together, and love and enemies actually kind of go together, and doubt and belief actually kind of go together. And so I want us to talk about how to live with doubt and faith. John chapter 20 is where we're going to be. This is the story of Thomas, who we call Doubting Thomas. Um, and we're going to learn from his doubting experience and how it leads to deeper faith. And I've titled this message, if you take notes, Eight Days of Doubt. Eight Days of Doubt. John 20, verse 24, it says this. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, You have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again. Just for this morning that we can gather, we thank you for your people. We thank you for your body. And Lord, we ask you to be here, Lord, to help us to remove distractions or things going on in our mind. And Lord, would you comfort us? Would you increase our faith this morning as we look at your word? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Thomas, in this text, goes on a journey of um, belief to doubt or deconstruction, we'll talk about that in a moment, to faith again. 
Thomas at one point um, was a great, one of the most, we sort of overlook this story uh, in Thomas' life, but there's a moment where Jesus is going to Jerusalem um, and he says, I'm going to go there and I'm going to die. And Thomas says to the other disciples, he's like, well, I guess we're going to go die. In other words, he's like, we're going with Jesus regardless of the outcome. So he is a, he is a person of faith. He's walked with, he, one of my favorite stories, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, um, you know where I'm going and you know the way. And he sort of ends like mic drop kind of thing. And Thomas goes, we have no clue where you're going and we don't know the way. <laughs> I love that. And then Jesus responds, and he get, we get that beautiful passage. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Thomas has great moments of faith, and yet here in 20, we see him with great doubt. Right? He says, I will never believe unless. And often in life, we go through this journey. And what I want us to understand is that it is okay to have doubt, and in our doubt, we can encounter Jesus in a new way. It is okay to have doubt, and in our doubt, we can encounter Jesus in a new way. And I would say not only is it okay, but common for people with faith in God to begin to have doubts about what they believe, why they believe, or how they believe. Doubt is common, but it's important that we recognize what it is so we can move through it in the way that God intends. So... Um, we, we're living uh, in what we would call the age of deconstruction, right? We've heard, we, I'm sure many of us have heard this idea. Construction is to build. Deconstruction is to break or tear down. And it's caused by viewed problems or flaws, and the solution is really to break it all down. And we're seeing this constantly in our culture, from family or gender or politics to the church and even our own personal faith. We break it apart. But there actually is a way for us to doubt and not deconstruct or not destroy and actually arrive at deeper faith. So we'll kind of break this idea down. The first point this morning is what causes doubt? What causes doubt? And there are a lot of things that can cause doubt. For Thomas, it was both his bad circumstance and disappointment. So he had an expectation of what Jesus was going to do. His expectation was Jesus is Messiah, and he is going to set up his kingdom here and now, and we're going to be a part of it. And then he watched his, his savior, his king, his friend, his rabbi die. And he was like, that is not what I signed up for. For the last three and a half years, I left everything to follow after this guy, believing in a future that was going to come, and then I watched him murdered before my eyes, and his, his expectation wasn't met, and so he's disappointed, and quite frankly, he's in a bad circumstance. Like, wait, we thought it was going to go one way, and now we're actually going to be persecuted and hated, and it's not going the way we thought. And he believed God to be some way and to do something in his mind, and it didn't happen, and now he's in this bad situation, and this caused doubt. And for us, it can be many of the same things. I'm going to give you four things that cause doubt. One is difficulty or bad circumstances. Often, when we go through bad things or hard things, we think sort of a couple of things. Either God doesn't care about me, or he isn't capable of helping me. This is sort of how the mind, I think, often works when it comes to God. We have, whether we're praying for something, we're asking God to do something, um, or we're experiencing something, and we think, 
God, will you help me? Will you change this? Will you, will you remove this thing? And when it doesn't happen, because I'm sure many of us have had unanswered prayers or we've walked through things thinking it would go one way and it didn't. And so one of two things tends to happen. We either go, God must not be capable of helping me because if he could, he would. Or he is capable of helping me and he just doesn't care about me. Because if he cared about me and he was capable, he would help me. Does that make sense? And so our mind sort of descends into this thought. Because of bad circumstances or difficulty in our life, we go either God can't or he doesn't care. And the result is a doubt or a disbelief or lack of belief in God. And bad circumstances or difficulty can cause doubt. The second thing is doctrine or misunderstanding God. Something, uh, sometimes the things that can cause doubt in God um, is what we find in the Bible. Right? You, sometimes you, again, honesty in church, we re- read weird Bible stories, and we go, that's not from our Bible, is it? No. Really? No, I don't get that one. And sometimes, honestly, you can, you can be reading God's word, or you can be in a church service, or you can hear something, and you go, Hold on, I believe that? Uh, That's kind of confusing and weird and strange. Or not just the Bible stories, but not understanding the actions of people in the Bible or even God in the Bible. And what happens is rather than seeking answers to those questions, it's really easy for us to just doubt and turn away. And so what we need, um, we actually need a better understanding. We need complete doctrine and theology and good doctrine and theology in order to increase our faith because it's not that the things in the Bible should turn us away, but it should cause us to dig deeper into, okay, what is going on here? Why did this happen? Does that make sense? And so it's important for us, but oftentimes it it is doctrine or bad doctrine or misunderstanding God, the word of God or the ways of God that causes us to go, I'm beginning to doubt God. The third thing I would say is disappointment, or more specifically, hurt from the church. A very common thing that causes doubt in God is disappointment with the church. Whether it's people in the church, or leadership failure in the church, or even a church lacking empathy or action on certain situations and circumstances. That that there's something about the church, and maybe it was an expectation that we have put on the church, or maybe it it was reality. You were hurt by the church. It was unfair, and what they did was absolutely wrong. But what happens is, because of how we view the church oftentimes, or the people of God, when we're hurt by them, we tend to sort of blame shift then onto God. And we think this circumstance happened and, and this person or this church or this experience happened to me and it wasn't fair, it wasn't right. And then we think, okay, because the church or the people of God are connected to God, it must have then been God's fault. And so these, these disappointment or hurt from the church can cause serious doubt. And then the fourth thing I would say is disconnection, simply not going to church. I think this is probably the primary cause of doubt for young people. We get out of fellowship, uh, into a college classroom, or around of a group of friends, and we either think we don't need God, 
or they've evolved past God so they don't think about him anymore. Right? Like we go, oh, I don't need God. I'm fine. Or in the college classroom, like freshman year, you take like a philosophy course and you're like, everything I was raised on was wrong. And we like, okay, I I know now. I'm woke. I get it. And so we move past, right? And so there's, there's, this, there's this problem with disconnection out of fellowship. We're not around the people of God. We're not in the word of God. Or we're not around the things of God. And so this disconnection is actually what cause, is causing the doubt. So I think we could probably go all day long on reasons for doubt. I just wanted to give us four. Difficulty, bad circumstances, doctrine, misunderstanding God, uh, 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 disconnection and disappointment are some of the things. So this is what causes doubt. So the second thought this morning is then what does doubt cause? So this is oftentimes what causes our doubt. We, we begin to doubt God, question God. Maybe our, our behavior then follows what we're sort of believing or not believing. So then what does our doubt cause? For Thomas, it caused him to make a condition for his belief. He needed a condition for his belief. He needed to see the proof. Because listen to me, doubt will cause faith in something. Right? Doubt will cause faith in something. For Thomas, he no longer believed the teaching or the example of Jesus. Instead, he decided he was going to believe his own eyes. He said, I will never believe unless, this is now where his faith is, no longer in Jesus, unless I see him with my own eyes and I touch the wounds in his hands. He created his own condition for his believing. He's rejecting the words of Jesus, the testimony of the church, and basing his faith solely on what he sees and understands. Right? Because he had a whole group of friends that are like, no, we saw Jesus. And he's like, I don't believe it. The only thing I trust is what I see and what I experience. That is now the basis for my faith, is me. <laughs> the basis for my faith is what I see, what I understand, what I experience, what I think I know to be true. He is causing, his, his doubt created a condition for his belief. And doubt often leads us to action, to move through doubt, or acceptance of our doubt. Doubt will either call it, cause us to act and say, okay, how am I going to process this? How am I going to move through this? Or acceptance, this is the way that it is. Because there's actually good doubt and bad doubt depending on what it leads to. Doubt can lead you to reconstruction, to deeper faith, or doubt can lead you to destruction of your faith. Let's talk about this for a moment. I've got a couple slides that I brought. First, I want to talk about doubt. Um, So we have this sort of process of what we do when doubt is in the middle of our life. So construction, this is what we would call as-is belief or inherited belief. So um, there's a thing in Christianity, um, it's called confessional Christianity or confessional faith. Um, Basically, confessional faith is um, we confess things that we can't fully understand. 
I'll give you some examples of this. Um, we believe that Jesus, we're about to uh, celebrate this with the beginning of Advent, Advent and then into the Christmas season, but that Jesus was born of a virgin. You believe that. If you're a follower of Jesus, you believe that. No offense, that's kind of weird and crazy. Right? That, that doesn't happen. So, but we, if you're a follower of Jesus, you believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Um, we believe that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. Have you ever met people? That seems impossible. But we believe this. We believe that Jesus died on a cross. That, not, that's not hard to believe. But we believe that three days later, he got back up. That's kind of crazy. And then, at the end of it all, he flew into heaven he ascended into heaven, and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father where he rules and reigns and waits. Okay, no offense to you and your belief, but that's crazy. But I'm telling you this because as followers of Jesus, we confess things, we believe things that we don't fully understand. Does that make sense? So we say, okay, I, how the Trinity works, I don't know. But I do, do I believe that God is three and one at the same time? Three unique persons? Yes, but do, can I explain it? No. Ask Pastor Andrew. He probably knows. <laughs> but the, there's these things, construction, are as is beliefs, the things that we inherit. Deconstruct, deconstruction happens when we begin to question those beliefs. And when doubt is at the center, those questions end up leading to destruction or no belief. Okay, we have this question. I don't understand. How does the virgin birth work? I don't know. I've got questions. And what happens is if when doubt is at the center of it, when, when we think, okay, I'm going to base it upon what I can understand or experience or know or explain, then what happens is de uh, deconstruction, which leads to destruction. But then there's the second slide, when belief is at the center of it, or in other words, we're saying, I'm choosing to trust God. We have construction, our as-is beliefs. We have deconstruction, our question belief. And then ultimately, reconstruction, where it leads to deeper belief, deeper faith and understanding. And so, all that to say, doubt can either lead you to deeper faith, or it can lead you to abandoning faith depending on the route we take when we experience doubt. You with me? And so we, we must be willing when, because at any point in our life, whether it's because of our bad circumstances or our misunderstanding God or from being disconnected or from being disappointed, um, we will go through experiences where we go, okay, what I believe about God, what I perceived about God, what I understood about God is in question. What am I going to do with that? How, how am I going to handle that? Am I going to just throw in the towel and say, okay, it must have all been a lie. It doesn't make sense. No one can answer this. Or am I going to humble myself and put myself in a position that allows me to grow and ask questions and maybe be okay with not super, like, logical answers? <laughs> like, our faith is reasonable. The Bible says that we have a reasonable faith. But at the same time, we have a confessional faith. We believe these things. We trust that God's word is accurate, and it is impossible for God to lie. Okay, last thought. You guys still with me? Is this helpful? I hope it is. Um, the last thought is this. Where does doubt lead? Where does doubt lead? For Thomas, it led him back to Jesus and into deeper relationship and faith. 
Our goal whenever we experience doubt is always to get closer to God and who he actually is. A guy by the name of uh, Dr. A.J. Swoboda, he wrote a book called After Doubt, um, basically discussing a lot of these similar ideas. But he said this, quote, We are not called to love the God we want, but the God who is. We're not called to love the God we want, but the God who is. Thomas was just short of seeing Jesus. For some reason, he wasn't there, right? Jesus shows up in the first sort of Sunday morning after uh, the resurrection. All the disciples are there except for Thomas. We don't know why. The Bible doesn't tell us, nor does it cast it in the negative way. He just wasn't there. He shows up late, right? He needed to go get coffee, and the line was long, and he was late. And he got there, and they're like, oh, dude, you just missed it. You wouldn't believe it. Jesus was here. He was just here. They're like, you're lying. That's not true. It didn't happen. He shows up late. He missed it. The other disciples, they're overjoyed. They share with him the news of the risen Lord, but he doesn't believe it. He needs more evidence. And so what happens? Thomas lives eight days in his doubt, right? Probably stewing, questioning, contemplating, blaming. Like, what? why was I late? Why did I miss it? There's no way it happened. How could it have happened? All of the questions that go through your mind. And usually when it comes to doubt, the longer we're in it, the more we descend into doubt or skepticism or cynicism. And so Thomas lived eight days of this. But then eight days later, he encounters Jesus. Notice exactly what Jesus says, verse 26. He walks in, the doors are locked, he just appears. And he says, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, look at my hands, Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Notice this is exactly, almost word for word, what Thomas said eight days prior. Almost word, Thomas, go, he walks in. They're like, Jesus is here. He's like, no, he wasn't. I will never believe unless I see. Unless I can see the wounds in his hands and feel them for myself, I will never believe. Jesus shows up. He goes, peace. Hey, Thomas, here, here are the hands. Here my, here's my side. Feel it. Understand it. Receive it. Jesus knew exactly what was causing the doubt in his life. Jesus was not in the room, but knew exactly the doubts that were swirling in his mind. Can I encourage you, if, if maybe you've walked through doubt, Jesus cares about your doubts. There's no shame or judgment for a follower of Jesus walking through doubt. We walk through doubt. We have days where we, we question. I had a conversation with a woman. Um, I taught a similar teaching to our church a few months ago. And a woman came up after me and, and was like overjoyed. You could see it in her eyes. And she said, my husband um, passed away not too long ago. We were married. I think it was something like 30-something years. And uh, she's like, he just passed away. I've got a photo of him um, on my nightstand. And she's like, I, I don't usually look at it. It's just hard for me to look at it, and she said, I looked at it the other day, and the first thought in my mind was, I can't wait, I'm gonna get to see him again. And then she said, the second thought in my mind was, if that's even true, will I even get to see him again? And she, in a moment, went from this hope and expectation of encountering Jesus and seeing her husband again, and then just like that, without even, she wasn't trying, just flipped this switch and was like, is this even real? 
Is this even true? And, and she was just saying, thank you for saying that. It, it was okay for me to have that doubt because she felt guilt for that doubt and all of those things that just swirl around your mind. And, and that is so often what, how we walk with God. We're like, yes, I'm, I'm great. I trust in him. I believe in him. I'm, I'm hopeful for the future. I'm trusting he's working in my life. And then we descend into doubt. And then all of the guilt or shame or, or frustration or blame or all the things that happen with that in a moment, and we just don't know what to deal, how to deal with that. Let me tell you, Jesus sees you. He cares for you. He knows you. And we all walk through this. But notice a couple of important things for Thomas' doubt um, that will help us walk through doubt. Number one, how he did it is one, he gave a realistic proof for his doubt. Okay, he wanted to see the resurrected Lord. That was his proof. He's like, I will not believe unless I see it. Now for us, that's, that's kind of uh, unfair. For him, it's totally fair. For him to say, I want to see it too. Why? Well, his friends are saying, we just saw it. We just saw Jesus risen from the dead. <laughs> and he's like, I want to see. That's not, a, that's not an unrealistic proof for him, right? I think for us, oftentimes when it comes to our doubt, we go, I have this doubt. And then we go, God, unless you paint the sky red, I'm not going to believe. Like we give these absurd sort of proofs for, our, for Thomas. He gave a realistic proof. Okay, you're saying you saw Jesus today risen from the dead. I want to see him too. In other words, so we have to give sort of realistic proof for, okay, this maybe it's a theological point or an experience that I'm walking through or, or a hurt that I'm feeling. And so, okay, what is in a realistic proof that will allow me to walk through this into deeper faith? So he gave realistic proof. Number two, he came back to church. Thomas showed up to church three days after Jesus died and missed Jesus. And his friends are like, you missed it. <laughs> Today was not the day to sleep in, dude. Like, you should have been here. And then a week later, eight days later, he's back in church. He, he says, I will never believe unless I see. And where does he show up thinking he's probably going to see him? Back with the body of believers. Doubts do us damage when we abandon the people of God. Even when, and this might be sensitive for some of us, even when the damage we're experiencing is a result of the people of God. Doubts will do us serious harm when we abandon the people of God. And then the third thing, he received the peace that Jesus offers. <laughs> Jesus walks in and he just says, peace to you. Peace to you. That we can receive peace from God, and he received it. I'm going to close. Worship team, you can come back up here. But Thomas moves out of doubt into deeper faith. And Thomas then makes this statement when he sees Jesus. And, and for me, I think because I relate to Thomas, it's just so, it's, it's just remarkable. The, the intimacy and the both the vulnerability of Thomas and Jesus and the whole experience I just think is amazing. But then Thomas, after all of this happens, and, and everything I'm sure happens so quickly, but Thomas makes this statement when he sees Jesus. He says, my Lord and my God. 
This, this moment where he goes from, I will never believe. His world had just been shattered. Everything that he had thought, everything that he had believed, everything that he understood it was, was gone um, at this point. And then doubt, I'm never going to believe. He sees Jesus. He makes a statement, my Lord and my God. This is a profound statement of who Thomas knows Jesus to be. He recognizes him as Lord personally and as God. This is actually a really important scripture for us um, today. This is a verse that apologists use for the validity of Christ's deity, um, one of which is the New Testament teaches the deity of Christ. The early church and its followers proclaimed that he is, in fact, not just man, not just a prophet, but God in flesh. Right, so this verse where Thomas says, my Lord and my God, recognizing that Jesus is in fact God in flesh, is a key sort of piece of the puzzle for us in understanding who Jesus was and is. Does that make sense? And so Thomas goes from, I will never believe, to one of the most profound statements about the deity of Christ in a matter of moments. Because he moved through doubt into deeper faith. We must learn to walk in faith and doubt. Doubt isn't an excuse to give up, but an opportunity to encounter the Lord in a new way. Can I encourage you this morning that especially as we, as we look uh, for the last several weeks and into these great men and women of faith, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it's, it's, it's remarkable to see some of the things that they both did and believed. It's easy for us to question whether or not if we're those types of people of faith. Can I encourage you that all of those people in, in Hebrews 11 also had serious flaws and bad days and difficulties. Like every single one, we have the hall of faith. We could also do the same characters and call it the hall of shame, honestly. Every single one of them. Because there's, there's this reality of the people of God serving God and walking with God. There are difficulties and, and failure and mistakes that are made. And so how do we walk through that? Can we be people that are, that are experience hardships and disappointment and, and, and all the things that we go through and allow ourselves to humbly go to God and say, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Because I don't want to just, I don't need to understand this better. I don't need to make sense of what I'm going through. I just want to know you better. I want to know Jesus better. I want to know who he actually is and what he's actually doing and the way he wants to work in my life and through my life. He says, I will never believe unless I see. He sees, he believes, and he moves into deeper faith. And so often the things that we walk through, both the good things and the hard things, God is using to grow us and to change us into more of his image and so that we would have more faith in who he is and what he is.